want you to get your Bible. Turn with me if you would. We're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 3, starting in verse 6 here in just a minute. But we are concluding today our series on There's No Place Like Home. I've enjoyed this. I hope you have. But what it's been about is discovering that home is the best place to be, that home is the best place to be, and until we get home, this is the best place to be until we get there, and what we're doing here to get everybody there. Does that make sense? And so we said, well, uh, what we're doing as a church here at Trinity is we're, we have a purpose statement, a mission statement. We are building friendships, finding God. That's not just a clever statement, but it means something. And the way that we're going about that, building friendships so we have an opportunity to lead people to Christ is through what we call the five E's. And so for the last four weeks, we've touched on four of those, and today we'll, we'll talk about the last one. But very quickly, they are this. Number one, we're going to exalt Christ in everything we do. That is our worship focus. Number two, we're going to encourage godly relationships in our daily lives. That's our fellowship aspect. Number three, we're going to equip believers to discover and use their God-given gifts. That's ministry. Number four... We're going to educate believers to follow Christ. That's discipleship. And then today, we're going to evangelize the lost with the message of Christ, and that's evangelism. That's what we would call outreach. And evangelism is the process of just getting that good message out. What is the gospel? The gospel means the good news, right? What is the good news? Good news is that Jesus came to save all mankind. Our job, our goal, the great commission that Jesus himself gave us, last thing he told us before he left was for us to go and carry that out. Go and make disciples in every nation. So he said, go carry that out. That process of evangelism is a long word for really just go do the great commission. Just go get the good news out. How can we get the good news out to everybody. What can we do? What can you do? Because the church is not the building. The church is its people. And the church is not me. The church is you. And so you are the one being commissioned by Jesus to get the good news out. What can you do to get the good news out? And that's what we're going to talk about today for the next few minutes. Evangelism, the commitment to doing evangelism and doing it the way that God has told us to do. So what's the Bible say about it? Look at Ephesians chapter 3, verse 6, says this, And the mystery is this, Because of Christ Jesus, the good news has been given the Gentiles, or the good news has given the Gentiles, who's the Gentiles? That's us, right? The good news has given the Gentiles, anybody that's not a part of the Jewish people is a Gentile, good news has been given the Gentiles a share in the promises that God gave the Jews. Praise the Lord. God has also let the Gentiles be part of the same body. Paul said in Ephesians 3, 7, God treated me with kindness. His power worked in me, and it became my job to spread the good news. Paul says it became my job, or it became my task. It became my work. So what are we trying to do with evangelism? We're trying to, home is the place where we work together. Home is where we're trying to evangelize, to get the good news, get the message out. Paul said it became my work, it became my task, it became my job to spread the good news. Look at Ephesians 3 verse 9. God who created everything wanted me to help everyone understand the mysterious plan that had always been hidden in his mind. That was that good good news. God wanted me to help people understand that. And then 10 said, and then God would use the church. Who's the church? Somebody say, we're the church. We're the church. Then God would use the church 
to show the powers and authorities in the spiritual world that he has many different kinds of wisdom. So the first part of that we talked about, Paul said it became my work to spread the good news. And then the latter verses said, then God would use the church. Now it's our job. Now it's our job. Our job is required. When will we be finished? When are we ever going to be released from this commission? How long are you under the responsibility to carry out this work? One old farmer said this about milk and cows. He said, the hardest thing about milk and cows is this. They never stay milked. Just got to keep on doing it, don't we? We are never going to be released from this responsibility until Jesus comes and gets the church. So if so, as long as you are living, this will be your job. You will either do this until Christ comes and gets you, or you will do this until you are buried in the grave. But there will never be a moment in your life until we see Jesus come back for us that we will not be under this responsibility to carry out the work, the job, the task of our God and his kingdom is our job. It is our job. Paul said it was his job. Then he says now it's the church's job to carry that forward. Somehow we're to get this good news out to people. Are we going to stand on the corners and preach it? Well, probably not going to be very effective if we do that. We discovered that a couple of weeks ago. How are we going to get this message out? We're going to do that in various ways. We're going to do that through, through, uh, through what we do here at the church. But basically, this is not where our job ends. This is just where we get refueled to actually go do our job, which is going to start as soon as we leave here and will not end until we get back here next week to refuel. Our job, our task, is to get the good news out, and we can do that in various ways. In the way we live our lives, just the way we live our lives. Just in what you say and you do and where you go, in, the, in your living, in your going. That's what Jesus said, in your going, in your living, in, in the doing of life. Just bring somebody with you and make disciples. We talked about that a week ago. So what, what does God want to use the church to do? Paul spells it out for us here in verse 10. He lays this out for it. Number one, he said, number one, it is our job to show that power. See that? Then God would use the church to show the powers. You say, well, he's talking about the powers that currently exist among humans. And you're taking that out of context to make that mean what you want it to mean. No, here's where I'm going with that. I do understand what he's saying, who he's talking about. He's saying that God would use the, that, that God would use the powers of God would show the powers that currently existed, the people that currently existed. But actually the powers we are actually showing is God's power. The real church is powerful. Somebody say amen. The real church is powerful to the point that it defeats the schemes and the ploys of the enemy. The real church is powerful enough to preach the truth so that God, through the knowledge of his word, will save people and heal people and deliver people and call people and equip people and keep using people who will submit to him. The real church is powerful because it is full of God's power. The real church is full of God's power. So the real church has the power to get out the good news. That's the first point. The real church, are you a part of the real church? The real church has the power to get out the good news. So Jesus didn't tell us to go do this and that we'd be on our own. He said he'd be with us. He said, I've overcome the world. He said, I've laid all things at rest. I sit at the right hand of power. 
and I make intercession for you. I've led you by example. Now I'm praying for you specifically. I am with you in this task. I'll never leave you in this task. You have all the power that I had. Now what did Jesus do when he was here? You like that? I like what Jesus did when he was here. In his going, he just made disciples. How did he do it? He called them. He equipped them. Prayed for them. Let them. Then in their going, in their, in their life, he reached out to the people and he healed them and he saved them. Brought them and made them a part of the team. You see all those things happening? And Jesus said, these works and greater than these shall you do in my name. Why? How, Lord, how, Jesus, how could we ever do greater things than you? Well, we can't do it on our own. Jesus said you'll do greater things than, than what you've seen so far because I'll, I'll still be with you and I'm greater than anything. I've, I'm always greater than myself. I, I, I've raised the dead and I've, I've healed folks and all this right in front of you, but I can do greater than that. You'll see greater things as time goes is what he's saying. Why will he see greater things? Because he said, I will put my power in you. You'll wait for me, he said, and I will send that Holy, the Holy Spirit, that Holy Ghost, that comforting. He will come. He will dwell in you. He'll teach you things you didn't know. He'll guide you in all things, and he will give you power that you never thought. You will see things happen. You, church, are not just supposed to be bringing people here so that they can be prayed for, but you have the power if you're the real church. How many is in the real church? If you're in the real church, say amen. All of you that are part of the real church have the power, not just to call me when somebody needs healing. You have the power to grab the anointing oil, lay hands on them, pray for them, and watch them be miraculously healed. You have that power. Jesus said, all that power has been given to you. The real church has the power to get the good news out. Secondly, the real church has the authority to get the good news out. Hmm. Paul said, we will show the authorities. But again, in showing the authorities, he's in fact showing his authority to the authorities that existed in the world. There's a lot of people on this planet that think they're authorities. President thinks he's an authority. Putin thinks he's an authority. There's a lot of world leaders that think they're an authority. Every other president, king, or ruler in this world thinks he or she is an authority. But I want you to notice something about Jesus at his weakest moment. Check this out. When he was being beaten and while he's being crucified, he tells Pilate, the one who's inflicting this on him in John 19, 11, you wouldn't have any authority over me if it hadn't been given to you from above. Jesus says that in his weakest moment. While you're beating me right now, while I'm bleeding out right here, I just want you to know. I've still got enough breath and life and cognizance in my mind to remind you that you're only doing this because it's part of a greater plan and it could stop at any second that I decide. At any moment, this could be over and you could be in real trouble. But I will continue to let this go on because I love you and I'm going to show my authority even in allowing myself to die. I love the way he showed his authority on the cross. The Bible doesn't say that when, that when Jesus had had enough that he just died. It said that when he was ready, what? He decided to go. 
that at the moment it was time that Jesus gave up the ghost. Never seen that anywhere else. I've seen people, I've seen reading about people in the scriptures who died and amazing things happened. They may have seen Jesus stand at the right hand, but nobody ever got to say when they were going. Have you ever known anybody that got to tell you when they were going? I've known people that as they were going, the Lord prepared them and they had a peace in their heart and they knew it was coming pretty soon. But I've never known anybody that had the power to just say, you know what, on Thursday at 3 o'clock, I'm going to die. I've decided it. Jesus said, I have all authority and all power. I'm the one calling the shots here, even on the cross. Even up to the last moment and the last breath I decide to take, I will decide when I'm going to breathe that breath. All authority, he said, been given me. That's why the man who handed you over to me is guilty of a greater sin. So God has given his authority to the church to, to, to show his authority. Look at Mark 16, verse 15. If you've got that, then Jesus said to them, Go wherever you go in the world, tell everyone the good news. Whoever believes in me and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these are the miraculous signs that will accompany believers. They will use the power and authority of my name to force demons out of people. They'll speak new languages. They'll pick up snakes. If they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They'll place their hands on the sick and cure them. Jesus has given us all the authority that is at his disposal. Man, we don't get that a lot of times. We just don't, we don't let that get from here to here. If we would let that get from here to here, it would change the way we live our lives. Jesus has given us the authority to speak and work on behalf of God our Father. That's why he said in the word that when you speak something, when you speak it on earth, you might as well have spoken in heaven because what you speak, what you pray, what you decide, if it is according to the will, the way, and the word of God, it's going to have to be. If it's, if it's out of some kind of a personal motive, that's between you and God. But when you are working on behalf of the Father, when you're doing God's will, whatever you say has to be because you're operating in the authority that Jesus gave us. During his work on the cross. Hmm. So let's use the authority that God has given us. Not to lord over and abuse people. But rather to lord over the devil. And set people free. Somebody say amen. That's what the real church ought to be doing. The real church is not about binding people up. Keeping people under their thumb. Coercing and manipulating people. The real church is about using the authority we've been given from our father. To set the masses free. That's what we should be doing. All power. All authority. And lastly. To show his many different kinds of wisdom. The real church has been given the wisdom to get the message out. They've been given the, the power, they've been given the authority, and they've been given the wisdom to get the message out, to evangelize this good news. Albert Barnes wrote about it in his commentary years ago. He called it the manifold wisdom of God. It was much very variegated. It was, it was greatly diversified wisdom, what he's trying to say. We know that all wisdom comes from God. But he's not just talking about earthly and, and, and spiritual wisdom, which those are the two we talk about. But he goes even into greater depth when he's talking about this here. He says that the wisdom of God was a beautiful and well-ordered variety of dispensations. That's pretty cool, isn't it? 
all of which tended to illustrate the wisdom of God. He said it was like a landscape, a, a panoramic view passing before the mind with a great variety of phases and aspects, all tending to excite ad- admiration. In the redemption of the church, there's not merely one form or phase of wisdom. It's ever-varying wisdom. He said there's wisdom manifested in the plan There's wisdom in the selection of the Redeemer. There's wisdom in the incarnation. Wisdom in the atonement. Wisdom in the means of renewing the heart. Wisdom in sanctification of the soul. Wisdom in the various dispensations by which the church is sanctified, guided, and brought to glory. This Every aspect is full of beauty. It's bright. And all of these illustrate the elevated views of God. The wisdom of God is beyond our ability to even rationally, logically discuss. His ways are so above our ways, aren't they? God has given that wisdom to the church. Now, let me say something about that wisdom. What he's saying here is that God has given to the church all the wisdom that is needed to get the message out. Whatever kind of wisdom that is needed in the given situation, we will have it. That's what he's trying to say right here. And here's how you'll know the real church. I'm not just talking about just our, our body of believers. I'm talking about here's how you know the real church. Wherever the real church exists, whatever part of the world, whatever language they're speaking, here's how you know the real church. You ready for this? The real church won't be a joke. The real church won't be a fluke. The real church won't be a passing fad. It won't be the latest and newest thing that they're banking on in order to build their group of entertained folks. The real church will be that group of people that come together, whether the lights are on, the smoke is going, it's not. Whether they don't even have a microphone or they do, if they have a guitar, if they're beating on a can with a stick, whatever it is they're doing, if they're doing it under the anointing, then people are coming, hearing the word, and their lives are being changed. I thank God for the guitars. Because I've been in the places where that they were beating on the, the can with a stick. And the joyful noise here I like better than the joyful noise I've heard there. But I'll tell you this, they're both equally effective when they're done out of the same spirit and the same heart. I love everything we do here, but that's not why I'm here. You can tell you why I'm here. I'm here because I believe that there's a bunch of you that have the same thing in your heart that I do. And that is, I want to make my mark. I don't need a a statue. I don't need to be well-known or famous. I don't care anything about that. But what I want to do is I want to lead you, and I want to help you, and I want to help us all get home to heaven and someday stand around together and say it was worth it. We're glad we did it. Don't matter what it cost us. Don't matter what we sacrificed. Don't matter how we suffered. Don't matter what we went through. Look where we are right now, and we're all here. We didn't leave nobody behind We all made it home There's no place like home We all got to get home We got to get everybody home The real church You'll know it By the lives of people That are genuinely changed By its presence And by the works that it does There's a lot of groups gathering folks and I'm not being unkind. I was thinking about this earlier. Man, I, I, it, there's a lot of groups gathering that, that they've got some really wholesome, good entertainment going. There's nothing wrong with that. 
You know, I, I go up to Branson, I watch Moses and Joseph and all those, but I'm going to tell you right now, I watch those things, and I ooh and awe when they can make that big old fish, and they open up those curtains, they got all that. I mean, they got some awesome stuff going. You've been down there. It's some really cool stuff, but I've never shed a tear. I've never seen anybody get saved there. I've never heard anybody give a message in tongues and interpretation. Maybe it was just the night I wasn't there. I've never seen anybody healed. I've never seen anybody set free or delivered. I've seen a lot of folks that walked out and said, wow, that was worth that, that was worth the money. And it is worth I'm telling you, you ought to go see it. It's great. But there are a lot of places that all they are about is can we build a bigger show? Because if we build a bigger show, then more people will come and watch us. But what happens is when the show drops off a little bit, you see the people disperse. The real church is not built on anything less than the authentic power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, you will have the power, you will have the authority, and you will have the wisdom to get this message out. If you need lights and smoke and sound, if that's the wisdom you need, then then I'll provide it. If you don't, I won't. Whatever it is you need, whatever word you need, Whatever class you need, whatever small group you need, whatever it is that has to happen, he said, I have the wisdom, I have it covered. And I'll provide everything that you need if you're in the real church. Home is where we work together. Home is where we do that work together. There's no place like it. There's a lot of things that, that are awesome that happen in the presence of the Lord. And I, I just want to emphasize, I'm about, I'm about to wrap this up, but as I, as I emphasize, I, I don't want you to ever think that this place is about entertaining you. Here's how we'll know who's being entertained here, folks. The ones who aren't here this time next year. The ones we don't see again till Easter. Who's not being entertained? The ones that are getting up every, every Sunday and they said, I don't know who's going to sing this week. I don't even know who's going to preach. All I know is I'm going down there because every time I go down there, something happens. It's always different. But the Holy Spirit always touches my heart. I'm going there today because I like to see people getting saved and healed and delivered and set free and called and equipped. I like seeing, I'm going down there. I don't know who's going to do it. I don't know who's going to, I don't know how it's going to happen. I know it won't be the same every time. It's never the same, but I'm going down there because real things happen. That's a real church. Not that others aren't. I know a lot of people are seeing this right now. I'm not being, I'm not being unkind to other churches. I'm just simply saying, we're talking about our church these, these five weeks. We're talking about our five E's. And I'm saying we have made a commitment at this church that we are going to evangelize the lost with the message of Christ. We're going to do that, and we're going to use all the power and all the authority and all the wisdom that God has given us to do that. And we're going to do everything that we can so that someday we stand before him and he says, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You didn't just go sit and watch somebody have church. But you lived your life and you discipled people. And you're here today with a gathering of people who wouldn't be here if you had not been obedient to my commission. That's real. That's that's what I want for you. I'd lot rather you stand in heaven 
and have people with you than you just stand there by yourself and say, man, I was really entertained. I, had a great, I didn't do anything, but I had a great time. Boy, I mean, I never led a soul to Christ, but I sure had an awesome time. I don't want that for you. I want you to be able to stand before the Lord with those that you can present to him and say, these are the people that the Lord gave me the ability to minister to. Jesus said in John 9, verse 4, this is Jesus. He said, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. What's that mean? For you, it's here's what it means. You must work the works of him that has sent you while you have this chance. Because soon the night will come. For all of us, man, it happens fast. Yesterday, I was 20 years old. Tomorrow, I'll be 80. It's crazy how fast it happens. Deb took a picture the other night. Or, well, she was in it, too, so somebody else took one, too, but took a picture of, of Deb and I with all four of our grandbabies. Man, I just pursed up like a big old fat frog, grinning, had all them babies on my lap, right? And somebody commented, and they said, it was my niece. She commented, she said, wow. She said, like 20-something years ago, we have a picture just like that of Papa, which was my dad, holding his grandkids. And, and I thought, I remember that picture. Wow, that was 20-something years ago? goes like this guys it just goes like this you know you're 15 today you're gonna look up in a couple of weeks and you're gonna be 35 like what in the world happened you're holding your own babies in your arms you're like how did this happen how did i get old enough to have these babies someday then you're holding them and you're their grandparents you're like man that that's a long long way I sat out on the porch the other day and I thought about the life of Christ and what all Greg he accomplished in 33 years. I got 20 on him already. And I haven't, I, I looked up at the sky and I said, God, I've been here 53 and I hadn't done half of what you did. I haven't done a quarter of what you did in 33. I haven't done anything up to what you did. I've had a lot longer to do it. Jesus said, I must work the works of him that sent me while it's still day. Night comes when no man can work. Jesus said, he has given you a whatever season of life you're in. Young, middle-aged, elderly, wherever you are. Jesus said, I have given you all power and all authority and all wisdom to get that message out to whomever it is in your sphere of influence at this point in your life wherever you're at I have given you everything you need in order to faithfully do what I've called you to do
So we're going to continue to exalt, to encourage, to equip, to educate, and to evangelize until we all get home because there's no place like home. We're going to keep doing that until we get home. Specifically today, as we conclude this message and this series. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you about your place in this evangelism? What's he saying to you about your place in getting this message out? And I'll tell you, one of the greatest enemies of working for Christ is the busyness of life. So, so busy. Wednesday night, I, 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 I spoke on time and, I, and one of the things I said was, as people, we have got to get better at learning how to be productive in short spurts. Because you you don't get days off, do you? You don't get, you know, years ago people go in, work 8 to 5, I guess, and then they'd be off at night and off on the weekends. I'm telling you, it's not the life we live anymore. And if you want to rest, you're going to have to learn how to rest in short increments. And if you want to work for Jesus, you're going to have to figure out how to ignore some distractions, lay some things aside and focus on what Jesus put you here on the planet to do. I'm telling you, the busyness of life will steal every waking moment from you. And anytime you get a spare second, if you're not careful, you will go to a screen. Somebody say screen. You'll find a screen, a phone, a television, a computer, an iPad. And you'll spend every waking moment on a screen. And someday you're going to look around and realize, oh my Lord, I have lost 30 years of my life looking at a screen. And I I have nothing to show for it. Pastor, I'm only on there for 30 minutes or 45 minutes or an hour or two hours. I'm telling you, what could you do if you added up that 30 minutes here and the 45 there and an hour and a half here? And somebody said, I want to write a book. If you'd add up all the short spurts of time that you had that you wasted, you could have written that book. What are you going to do? What are you going to do with your three score and ten. Some of us have, out, have outlived that. Some have gone past that. Praise the Lord. My grandpa, 96, still driving. Still, still preaching every time he ever ministering every time he gets a chance. He's telling somebody about the Lord, giving his testimony. What are you going to do with your three score and ten? What are you going to do with it? God has given you all what? He's given you all the power, all the authority, and all the wisdom that you need to get that message out. So let's pray. Let's pray. Find yourself a place. You know how it works. Find yourself a place. Find yourself a place around the altars, around the chairs, around the building, in the seat, standing, wherever you want to go, walking, whatever you need to do. Find yourself a place and say, God, help me examine my life. Help me right now examine my heart. Run a full diagnostic on my life, on my mind, on my body, on my spirit. Lord, show me what you want me to do. Show me the times you want me to do it. Help me to quit wasting some of the time that I'm wasting. God, show me how to hone in on what it is you want me to do. You've given me the power. You've given me the authority. You've given me the wisdom. Help me now, God. Help me now, Lord. 
to be successful for you, to carry out your commission the way that you've called me to do. I pray in Jesus' name. All over this room, now find yourself a place and let's pray.